Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the King Street Podcast. Well, hey, friends, my name is Matt Speaks, and I want to welcome you to the King Street Podcast. This podcast exists to help you glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's a gift from our church to you. And on this episode, I am joined by a good buddy of mine, uh, Alex DePrima. Alex, how are you doing? Uh, doing well, brother. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate you inviting me. Absolutely. Well, I, I just want to say thank you for taking some time to be on the podcast with us uh, this week. And uh, Alex is uh, the pastor of Emmanuel Church of Winston-Salem here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And uh, would you mind sharing maybe just a little bit about, about your church, some of the history, uh, just briefly for us? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, uh, we, uh, Emmanuel Church was planted in uh, 2017, began meeting toward the end of 2016 in sort of a small interest group. Uh, seven of us came from Grace Reform Baptist Church of Mebane to plant yeah. here in Winston-Salem. And there were about as many people here on the other other side, on the Winston side of things, uh, who were interested in being part of a church plant. And uh, we just began meeting as a small group, and then on, on Sundays, worshiping God together, investigating whether or not he was calling us to plant. And we concluded that he was calling us, indeed, to form a new church in Northwest Winston. And so we did that. Uh, we constituted August 5th, 2017, and God has been pleased to, to steadily grow the church and grow the ministry here. We're thankful for his grace. Um, we were given a, a wonderful gift of a building uh, right in the heart of Northwest Winston. Which is where we are right That's now. That's right, in, the, in the, uh, the, the, the belly of the beast here <laughs> at our, our facility at 407 Petrie Road, uh, right across from Mount Tabor High School, a couple yeah. miles from White Forest University. And um, we hope to uh, continue ministry here as, as we hope uh, the Lord will allow until he returns. And so uh, that's something about, about us. Well, awesome, brother. If, if you're listening uh, into this podcast and you're a member of King's Tree Church, uh, just keep in mind that um, Alex and Emmanuel Church have been a wonderful blessing to us, uh, have been praying for us, I know, mm. on a regular basis, have been a huge help in terms of offering advice and input and so mm. forth just throughout the time. So great brothers and sisters here at Emmanuel mm. Church want to encourage all of you to continue to keep them in your prayers, even as we're separated from one another uh, during this time. Uh, what we're doing doing over the next few weeks in this sort of series of podcast episodes is we're dealing with uh, spiritual disciplines and what David Mathis may call the habits of grace. And he sort of breaks the habits of grace down into three categories, that of Bible intake, that of having God's ear through prayer, and fellowship or com you know community in a local church relationship. And so what we're doing for a few episodes is talking about Bible intake, and last week we dealt with Bible intake in terms of in terms of personal Bible reading and Bible study. And today, Alex, what I'd love for us to talk about is what it looks like for uh, the Christian, the believer, to uh, be receiving God's word through um, the preaching ministry in the local church that they're mm -hmm. a part of and even beyond. Certainly. And so if I'm if I'm a member of a church and I'm I'm going to this church, I'm attending this church, and I keep hearing this this term, this phrase, expositional preaching, mm -hmm. um, help me understand exactly what my pastors mean when they're talking about expositional preaching and that being something they do on a regular basis. Sure. 
Well, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you what all pastors mean by that phrase, because right. there's a lot that goes by the name of expositional preaching yes. that, that, that I wouldn't consider expositional mm-hmm. preaching. I can only tell you what, what I would mean when I use that phrase, like if a member here asked, or, or a visitor, sure. or something like that. Yeah, essentially I understand expositional preaching to be a method of preaching that takes the Bible and, and the message of the Bible, the text of the Bible as the subject matter of the sermon. And so the purpose in expositional preaching is to do, as Paul instructed Timothy, to preach the Word, the yeah. 66 books of the Bible, and to endeavor to open up God's Word and to bring it to bear on the lives of God's people. And I suppose you can put that in contrast to other forms of preaching that would be um, more centered around maybe the the perspectives or thoughts of the speaker himself. I have something I want to say to you, and so I'm going to say that. We would understand the primary purpose of preaching is to bring the Word of God to people, to apply it to their lives, to expound it uh, uh, before them uh, as an act of worship and an act of edification for the body. Yeah. Would you say a, a, a decent definition of expositional preaching may be exposing the meaning of the text to I guess today's listeners, whoever's in that room with us, we're exposing the point of the text that's being exposed in our message. Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, you know, uh, short definitions are helpful, and then we could have longer definitions. I think it was uh, Sinclair Ferguson I was reading recently, or listening, he was doing a lecture on a preacher that he appreciates, and he, he was making the point that he doesn't think real preaching has taken place until the text has been applied. Hmm. And so I would just say part of expositional preaching is, of course, to expound the meaning of the text in its original context, and also to bring the text to bear, to apply the text. Well, let's let's get into that, because I think there is a misnomer amongst a lot of people that expositional preaching is boring, Mm -hmm. and that expositional preaching is not going to apply to my life. And so what would you say to the person who hears this idea of preaching and thinks this isn't going to be applicational for me? Yeah, I guess a couple of things I'd say. I, I, I would expect someone who has not been born again and regenerated by God's Spirit to find expositional preaching rather boring. Hmm. You know, what, what is interesting about taking an ancient text uh, that that was birthed in a variety of socio-historical contexts that are completely detached from our current setting now. I, I actually, I'm embarrassed to say this, I haven't read John Stott's apparently marvelous book, Between Two Worlds, his book hmm. on preaching. Um, my, my expectation, a friend of mine's reading it now, a member of our church, um, I thought the book was going to be sort of between earth and heaven. That's not the right. idea at all. It's actually between the world of the Bible and the 21st century, and how do we bring this ancient text to bear on on our lives today? And he's speaking into this problem that 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 I mean, so so what if the nation of Israel was regulated by this particular system and these laws and had this narrative history and all of that? So what? Why should I care about what Paul's doing and his imprisonments? And what does that have to do with my life? And I wouldn't respect that. I wouldn't expect anybody who doesn't know the Lord to have any interest in that in that subject. That said, if you have been born again by God's Spirit, and you believe that, that God has spoken and he's spoken through his word, well, all of a sudden the text of Scripture becomes 
um, a matter of the, the greatest, most urgent importance. Hmm. That, that, that now these are the words of life. What God reveals about himself and about me and about the world is, is so immediately relevant. Right. And, and not just relevant for how I spend the hours from 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock tonight, it's relevant for my thought life. It's mm. relevant for my emotional life. It's relevant for how I conceive of God and who he is. And what's applicable and what's relevant is not just what I do with my hands tomorrow right? or what I do with my speech tomorrow. It's relevant with how I conceive of the whole world. You know, so, so to say that God is majestic and awesome, uh, that has application for our lives. Right. Um, in, in so many ways other than, you know, the manner in which I wake up tomorrow, which it has application for that as well. But we have to broaden, I think, understanding of, of, of what is applicable and what's not. And and so then one other thought I'll just throw out there. Sure. I do think that expositional preaching can be done in a way that is dry and boring and, and, and makes the text seem even more out of reach and more distant from our lives. The best expositional preaching, faithful expositional preaching, is going to explicate the relevance, the urgent importance, the practicality, the application of, of the Bible to our lives. And I think you see that in the letters of the Apostle Paul. Right. You know, when, he, when he is expounding these wonderful themes of, of theology in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, he demonstrates how in chapters 4, 5, and 6 it's extremely relevant and practical and how it shapes our lives. So, Absolutely. You know. and, and then even you just have the idea that some things are preemptive. Like if you're preaching through a book like First Peter, and it's dealing with suffering, and, and maybe you have someone who doesn't necessarily have as, as much of a category for the thought of suffering as some Christians have throughout the history of mm-hmm. the world. It doesn't mean that we're never going to face those situations yeah, it's at preparatory. some point. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I, it, if, if I could say just directly into that, it, uh, Ephesians four eleven twelve, these preachers teachers are given to the church to equip the saints. Right. Um, you equip for a battle that's to come. You yeah. know, sometimes the battle you're in, but I'm just saying that preaching is equipping, it's preparing. Um, you said there's a preemptive aspect to it. I think that's exactly right. Sure, yeah. I, I've, had, I've had folks come and say, hey, we want to hear something that's more relevant, so can we talk about this thing or that thing? And I think there's a fundamental passion that I have, and I'm sure you do as well, to show um, God's people that every page in this book mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is relevant for them because God has chosen to reveal himself through this book and he seems to think it's relevant for us in our lives and I really appreciate what you said it's more sometimes the application is to go and do something with our hands or to not do something with our hands mm-hmm. if we're being you know forbidden to do something but oftentimes believers are also called to believe yeah. And the application is to believe rightly about myself and believe rightly about God and Christ. And so I think that's very helpful. Um, just just help me understand for a second. We, we call it preaching. Is that important? Because if I'm living here in the 21st century, I might have the tendency to think that's an archaic kind of term or form. Mm-hmm. And I prefer words like speaking or I prefer words like teaching. Is there a reason why we should call something preaching, and is there something unique and special about preaching um, other than just speaking or just talking or yeah, teaching yeah. something? Language is somewhat fluid and flexible. Mm-hmm. Words, words mean something in certain cultures, certain contexts. Preaching is the English word you know, we use to capture um, 
you know, an idea in Scripture that is distinct. Um, I, I would argue that preaching is a unique form of communication. It's not like conversation. It's not like just just speaking or or delivering a message or something like that. We we'd certainly get the picture from Scripture that preaching is is an altogether unique sort of event and a unique form of communication. The preacher is to um, is to preach the oracles of God. Right. He's to he's to there's to be a thus saith the Lord quality to 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 preaching. It's it's not dialogical. It's proclamational. It's announcing something. It's to be a herald. That's not to say other forms of communication don't merge with preaching. Mm-hmm. I think all preaching to some degree is teaching. I wouldn't say all teaching is preaching. Okay. You know? So so teaching, I think there's a freedom for for teaching to be information transfer primarily. Preaching has a different object. It's to announce um, uh, the will of God and to announce his word. And there's a sense of being answerable to this word in a way that is, I think, altogether unique. And I yeah. think the, the accounts we have of preaching in the Bible, the descriptions we have of preaching in the Bible, like the text I mentioned in, in 1 Timothy 4.2, where Paul tells Timothy to preach the word, this sense that there's this whole angelic host looking on, hmm. and he charges him, you know, in the name of Christ Jesus, who will come and judge the living and the dead to, to preach the word. He's to reprove, rebuke, correct, exhort, admonish. Right. There's this, this authority uh, yeah. that comes with it. And then the passage from 1 Peter 4, I think it's verse 11, comes to mind as well. Let him who speaks, speak as the oracles of God. That, that, that text in particular, and other texts like it in the Bible, do cause me to be somewhat averse to pre- preaching that's more conversational, dialogical. Yeah, there's there's this sense of God has spoken, and we come under His word. Now. There's a weightiness, yeah, to yeah, it, a gravity to it for sure. So if that's the case, and there's something unique and special and weighty happening in this preaching event, if we if we call it something like that, um, what expectation does that have? What expectation is there for me then as someone sitting in the chair, mm-hmm. someone sitting in the pew? Because there seems to be a fairly important thing that's happening. So what do I do? What's the role of, we've talked a little bit about the role of the preacher. What's the role of uh, just the member of the church or the listener to the sermon as we sit there in the room hearing this this preaching of God's Word? Well, assuming the, the, the preacher, his heart is, he's a man of integrity, he's duly qualified, his heart is tuned to the text. He's preaching properly, which sadly is not true of every preacher. But assuming this is a proven man of God who's opening up the Word of God faithfully, you should come with anticipation and expectation that I am coming under the Word of God. The Westminster Divines said, in essence, the right preaching of the Word of God is the Word of God. Hmm. You know, so, so I, I should expect here I am coming. This I'm, I'm thankful to say every church I've been in. The preachers have been faithful. Um, you know, I, I would come into church as a member expecting to hear from the Lord. I knew this man was a mouthpiece ordained by God, called That's by a God blessing. to preach the word, and I, I was to submit my heart and my life to it and seek to hear from God, receive from God through this appointed servant. And, um, yeah, it, it, it created an atmosphere of anticipation and expectation. That's not to say we shouldn't be you know, the, the proverbial Bereans hmm. testing everything we hear, because some sermons are not preached in the spirit in which they're meant to be preached. Uh, and, and, of course, some preachers are not truly called or, or 
they can preach duds or something like that. Yeah. But preaching when when it's done right has the force of God's word behind it. And therefore I, I come answerable, I come expectant, I come wanting to hear from God and to receive from him. And there should be a certain priority to that. I, I, I think that that characterizes and colors our lives in a major way. Yeah. I, I think generally people don't come I'm not reflecting now on the members of my own church. I'm just saying people in general, I don't think come with the sort of expectation to worship and preaching in particular. That We should expect God is doing things for us in the preaching of his word. God is meeting us in the preaching of his word. God is accomplishing things. There's right. spiritual warfare going on. This is a momentous occasion, the preaching of God's word. that should fill our hearts with anticipation. It should inform the way we pray throughout the week and especially Saturday night and Sunday morning. Sure. You know, and, um, yeah. you know, one of the things Toby and I talked about dealing with Bible intake, personal Bible reading, we asked this question, is there this law, this command that the Christian read the Bible for themselves every single day of their life? And one of the things that we uh, discussed with that that I thought was helpful was that no, there's not. Because for centuries and centuries and centuries, and even to this day, we talked about our, our brothers and sisters in Ndiwa, Kenya, mm-hmm. where 80 to 90% of the members of these churches don't own a Bible. Mm-hmm. And if they did own a Bible, some of them, some of those who are older, may not know how to read that Bible. Mm-hmm. And so what are they relying on in terms of their Bible intake that God is using to sanctify them and to keep them? It is the preaching of God's Word on a week-in and week-out basis, and they're holding on to those things, reminding one another of them throughout the week. And so I've I've kind of seen when we're dealing with Bible—now, of course, in our context today, where we do have a high literacy rate, right, and we do have access to all kinds of versions of the Bible Mm -hmm. and stuff on our phone at our fingertips, we ought to make use of those. Yes, truly. But I've seen many times— Christians put put so much of a preference on my own personal Bible reading mm-hmm. that that's the form of Bible intake that's really important, and the Sunday morning sermon is really maybe just a form of entertainment or a form of something else that's going on, rather than seeing that as one of the fundamental ways in which God is going to shape us through His Word, yeah. what's happening on Sunday morning. Yeah, I, I think the Bible should certainly shape the way in which we think about preaching, as members of churches and, and those who, who hear sermons preached. I think also there's a heavy weight and responsibility on preachers to help shape and form expectations about preaching. How do you preach yourself? Hmm. And how do you talk about preaching? What is your own sense of what's taking place in the preaching event? And that will inevitably have the effect of shaping the appetites of the congregation. And if we're glib and trite and lighthearted and careless and carefree about about preaching and Hey y'all, let's get together and let's have a talk about Jesus. You know, well, yeah. I mean, how's that any different than the right. way we might, you know, talk in our living room or at a coffee house, something like that? What what, it, what is unique about what's going on in this experience? And I'm not saying it has to be. The Bible doesn't prescribe that we have pulpits. The Bible doesn't describe that the sermon be an hour long. The Bible doesn't even prescribe that we preach verse by verse exposition. Sure. Um, I, so I'm not talking exactly the. Four, I'm just saying there has to be a quality. Yeah, that is altogether unique about preaching, because we see that, I, I think, in the Scriptures. There's nothing like it in the world. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I'll say, good preaching, you and I have heard this, we've been in the, 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 the congregation when a, a 
servant of God who's qualified according to the Bible, called by God, given to the church by Christ, hmm. is preaching, really preaching, yeah. and it's electrifying. Absolutely. You have the sense that God himself is meeting with you. And I, again, I just don't think a lot of people are, are, are coming to preaching with that expectation. And sometimes, you know, shame on us for not creating, uh, shame on us for not doing what we can to create that kind of an environment and accommodate that kind of environment. Because again, the right preaching of the word of God is, is right. there is nothing like it in the world. No, that's great. It sounds like with, with some of what you were sharing that have you, for the majority of your life, been in what you would consider a church where faithful preaching is happening week in, week out, at least to the best of the ability that mm-hmm. you see? Is that Has that been your experience? Yeah, I mean, thanks be to God in his kindness to me. I've, I've always been in what I would call healthy churches. Um, when did it. you first start to fall in love with... I'm not sure when it is that you became a believer, if you were a believer through most of this time. I was 10 years old. Okay, yeah. so, so, so from that time on, from 10 years on, w- did you just fall in love with hearing God's word being mm-hmm. preached in this way, or was that something that came later uh, for you? No, it, again, in God's kindness, the, the most faithful preaching I ever heard was the, the church I grew up in from the ages of 1 to 15. It was the church I was converted in. The two men that we'd had a traditional morning and evening service, two completely different services, two completely different sermons. And um, the, the two men who preached Sunday by Sunday were, to this day, the most faithful models of preaching I've ever seen. And um, I was converted when I was 10, directly under the preaching of God's Word. That's what God used to save me. And then uh, when I was about 13, I began to desire to, to be a preacher myself. And the attitude, it, it, there was no sense that God had clearly called me to, to do that. It's not like I would tell people, well, God's calling me to be a preacher or something. I didn't know that then. But my attitude was very much, if I can do, if God would allow me to do what these two men are doing Sunday by Sunday, th- there would be no higher privilege than, than getting to, to spend my life wow. doing what they're doing. And, and in God's kindness, again, men who were you know, more or less faithful at different times, but from there, I was a member of four other churches before um, becoming a member of Emmanuel. I never, it, it was just moving to different places that took me to those different churches. And God provided faithful shepherds in each one of them, healthy preaching in each one of them, and I, I bless God. Um, I would not have known when I was a kid how rare that was. It is, I was and about to say, it's yeah. very unique. Yeah, and, and as, I've, as, I've, as I've gotten older, like if I want to know how to preach well, um, I can reflect back on the models I grew up with. If I want yeah. to know what a healthy church looks like, I can reflect back on previous models. And sadly, I recognize that's not that's not common. And so I bless God for that unusual privilege and gift. Yeah, yeah. awesome. I appreciate you uh, sharing that. I have a few a few qu- uh, a quicker questions sure. we can run through. Yeah. Um, does I heard you mention earlier about even verse by verse, whatever exposition is not clearly commanded right in the Bible. Does expository preaching mean, if I'm if I'm in a church that's doing this, does it mean that I'm going to be in the same book of the Bible for five years of my life? Am I ever going to hear a sermon on love? Am I ever going to hear a sermon on parenting? Am I ever going to hear a sermon on uh, marriage? Um, the more general definitions we gave at the front end of this podcast on what expository preaching is would not prescribe that you must go verse by verse. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the more general way I would define expository preaching is making the subject matter of the Bible the subject matter of the sermon. And so 
Um, I don't think it's illegitimate to do like Spurgeon and the, the burden of the Lord is upon you and you're, you're looking to be impressed with a particular text each week. I'm not recommending that to people, but I don't think there's anything sinful about that. Right. Um, I, I just think generally speaking, personally, in our context, in and I, I might not think this way if I were in other contexts in the world, Sure. but in the Western world in the 21st century, I'm a big advocate for regular series through the Bible. The speed at which you go is it depends on the preacher, it depends on the congregation. And so you have guys like Martin Lloyd-Jones who are maybe 10 years in the Book of Romans. <laughs> I think John Piper did that same thing. The preaching I grew up with was very much two, three verses a Sunday. And so okay. we were in the Sermon on the Mount for maybe three, four years. Wow. Um, but uh, personally, I just finished John in about 18 months. Ephesians was probably nine months. Finished Habakkuk in four weeks. Yeah. Um, it just depends on the preacher and the congregation. And I, I don't think you talked about topics. Sure. Uh, you can you can preach a topic like parenting. Just do it expositionally. Sure. Expound passages of the Bible. Expound right. the Word of God. But there's nothing wrong with I think a preacher saying, "Look, we need to consider this subject." Just do so. You know, from the Bible. And there might be times where it it's best for him to do that, depending on the circumstances that are going on in the day and age uh, around you. Well, to use an example, we did that with COVID-19. Sure. The very first sermon, once we had all these shutdowns, was I think the title I gave it was um, COVID-19, A Christian Perspective. Hmm. And my job was not to say everything I think about the coronavirus now, or read headlines or cite studies, even though I did a little bit of that, the goal is to say, what perspectives would the Bible give us on the current crisis? And did that for a couple of weeks and then went back and do a series in the book of the Bible. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, if, if I'm a Christian, what level of importance should I give to preaching in my evaluation of, is this a faithful church mm-hmm. that I could see myself being a member of? Mm-hmm. I would just want to ask that individual, how important to you is the Word of God? And, and how important to you is the preaching of the Word of God? How is it important for you to be under a, a faithful ministry that is proclaiming Sunday by Sunday the, the, the oracles of God, the truths of God's Word? How we rate the value of the Word of God, I think, will indicate how important it becomes to us in terms of our priorities when we're evaluating mm-hmm. where where God is calling us to worship. Um I'm tempted to say there's nothing that's more important than the preaching of God's word when evaluating the health of a church. I just got to be more holistic than that. I don't want to compartmentalize. You're looking for, uh, is this one of Christ's true churches? Is this a faithful body of believers that are really regulated by the authority of the Bible? I would encourage you to pursue a confessional church. Do these people love each other? And is the word of God preached? Yeah. That has to be, I think, of, of paramount importance. I remember you sharing um, something that I think you shared with members of your church at one point, or something that you have a personal desire to do. If you lived from now until, until the day you were 75 years old and your children you know, were here, how many sermons you would be listening to in that time, giving that as an example. Do you remember that conversation we Vaguely. had? Vaguely. Okay. I thought it was really helpful. You were basically saying, um, and I've used it to counsel some folks as well, to say, hey, between now and the time that you're 70, 75 years old, if this pastor remains there yes. and is preaching. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have lots of friends who are trying to find healthy churches different parts of the country. And especially if you have a family, you need to think about your wife, you need to think about your children, you, you know, 
you think about lost people you might invite to church. But the big question I want to ask is, yes, if you were in under this man's ministry for 50 years or 30 years or 10 years, whatever you got left, would you be faithfully fed the word of God to the saving of your soul, hmm. to use Paul's language? We save ourselves and our hearers. Yeah. Um, I, I won't bother to qualify that statement, but do you believe that, that this ministry is going to make me whole in Christ? It's going to mold me and shape me and conform me more after the image of Christ. Can I trust that I will grow through the ministry of the Word of God here uh, long term? And um, if, if you, you know, I, here's a, I was talking to a, a close friend uh, four or five days ago now, and he's thinking of leaving a church and joining a different church. And he's, I just encourage him, think a lot about, about the man who's going to be preaching to your children. Will yeah. it be a man they could admire and respect? Will it be a man who exudes something of the person of Christ? Uh, it was in Sinclair Ferguson's book, The Whole Christ. He makes the point that we need to be very careful as preachers, um, the tone we use in our preaching. Hmm. Because very naturally, as you're the one primarily responsible to bring the word of God to the people of God, if you're the primary preacher in a church, it's just inevitable that they will very likely associate the tone of the Lord Jesus, the deportment of the Lord Jesus, the posture of the Lord Jesus with the way in which you talk about him and literally put his words to your mouth. And I'm very thankful the man in this life who most exuded the person of Christ to me and, and still is that man was my primary preacher growing up. And my thoughts about the Lord Jesus were very much shaped by the way in which he talked about the word of God. Yeah. Well, you can speak in such a way that will indicate to young impressionable children that Jesus is cruel and Jesus is harsh and demanding and Jesus, or, or you could communicate that he's gentle and lowly in heart and that those who come to him will find rest for their souls. And so there's be a lot of consideration. Who, who, who are my, who, who's gonna shape my children's impressions about God most? Yeah, it, that's good. it will be their parents and it will be their preachers. And so I'm going to put a lot of stock. Who's going to be that man that I, I subject my children to for at least an hour every Sunday for 18 years before they leave you know, the nest? Yeah. yeah, no, that's very helpful. What can I do Sunday to Sunday after hearing God's word, um, receiving God's word preached uh, on Sunday? What can I do with other members of my church uh, to not just hear it on Sunday and, and leave it? but to do something that helps not only myself, but brothers and sisters in my church to continue to grow in what was talked about. It depends on the person. I think, um, I'll just mention the sort of things my wife and I do. I mean, I'm often preaching, but when I'm not, right? Um, I try to talk to at least one person about the sermon. I might do it right after the sermon. I might text somebody later that day. Um, our small groups discuss the sermons every yeah. time they meet. And so there's a regular outlet for bringing the sermon into the week. Either I'm proactively trying to pursue someone, hey, what do you think about the message? What do you think was helpful? And I'm trying to stir my own mind, you know, as I hear what others are saying. My wife and I always talk about the message together, um, even even if it's my own message. And um, um, I think I think it's important to be prayerful coming into the next week's message. That will help you to be more reflective on it after it's been preached, but a sense of anticipating. Yeah, we always try to tell the church in advance who's going to be preaching. And um, they have a sense of what the passage is going to be. And so they're praying for that and they're reading it in advance and there's some continuity there. I don't know. Those are some yeah, no, I th- I think that's good. thoughts. I think yeah. that's good. One of the things we've encouraged our folks to do is obviously to talk to one another about it. Mm-hmm. Spend some time, you know, significantly if you can on Sunday evening, Sunday afternoon, 
praying over what you've heard, asking yeah, God to you know work that deeply into your heart. Amen. You might have something uh, a little bit more substantial to go into your conversations with after doing that as well. Well, and for people, I think lots of people struggle to know how to have really stimulating spiritual conversation with others mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't sound like a Hallmark movie or something. Right. You know? <laughs> what, one of the great kind of on-ramp questions that is so mundane but really gets us into spiritual conversation often is, hey, man, what do you think of Matt's message on Sunday? Yeah. What, what, what was helpful to you? I mean, how, how easy it is to ask that question yeah, of another Christian, even if you're not, you don't always have the right words and you're right. a little uncomfortable with opening up. How hard is it at lunch to say, hey, what did you make of the message today? Anything, anything you learned from it? Yeah, and you get a chance to see how the Spirit was working in someone else's life as well as Amen. they're hearing the same the same Amen. text preached. Yeah. Um, what about receiving preaching through shows, podcasts, um, that's obviously increasingly popular mm-hmm. because it's available to us. Someone's probably listening to this podcast right now who may not be a member of King Street Church. Mm-hmm. Someone probably listens to our sermons who's not a member of one of our churches. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say about having some kind of regular diet and doing that? And can that replace being a part of a local church and having a particular pastor that's normally preaching to me on a week-in, week-out basis. I think if you have access to healthy preaching online through podcasts or whatever, if you can make edifying use of it, go for it. That's wonderful. I mean, bless God for the plethora of research. I mean, how much much have we been shaped, uh, you and I, Mm -hmm. not as preachers, I just mean as Christians, by faithful men gone before? You can listen to sermons by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Well, shame on you if you don't, you know, or John Piper, Mark Dever, <laughs> yeah. whoever. Um, but that said, it, it, it's no replacement for pastoral preaching. I mean, conference preaching is not pastoral preaching. And there's something different about a man addressing me who knows my soul and, 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 and shepherds my soul. There's a different connection we have. There's a different responsibility he has. I, I should recognize, if I'm in a healthy church, again, with a faithful pastor preaching to me Sunday by Sunday, he will have the sense according to the Bible, that he's going to answer to God for how he cares for my soul. Hmm. And he's selecting parts of God's Word to preach that are designed particularly for my spiritual well-being and to, to build me up and to edify me and to feed me. Um, that, that, that's, is it Hebrews 13? Hebrews 10. It says we're to consider those who, who, who rule over us in the Lord. We're to know them right. and esteem them for their work's sake. Look, Personally, I love John Piper's preaching. It's had a wonderful influence in my life. But John Piper's not my pastor. He doesn't know me. He won't answer to God for me. Sure. He hasn't been called to shepherd me. But I can tell you, Ben Allen and Lai Chow Cock, two of our elders, they have been called to shepherd the flock that is among them. They will answer for how they care for my soul and the soul of my wife. And that naturally just increases my attentiveness to whatever they say to me. I'm far more interested in what, in what Ben and Lai Chow have to say to me than I am in what John Piper has to say to me, mm. even though I so greatly esteem Piper and his books to his sermons. Right. So I would just try to keep that phrase for people. Conference preaching is not the same thing as pastoral preaching. Right. Pastoral preaching has a different aim. It is presenting these souls for whom I am responsible whole in Christ on the last day. And I think it's helpful for members of churches to know that uh, hopefully, as your pastor, right, I try to do this, I'm sure you try to do this, 
we have the members of our church in mind as we're preparing this message. Oh, yeah. That there are names and faces that we have in our minds and our hearts that we know we're going to be communicating to that week, mm-hmm. which is so different than just consuming some sermon that was preached 20 years ago by mm-hmm. someone who, do, who doesn't even know we exist. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I, I will say, too, you know, sadly, I think a lot of people think, well, look, my preacher is subpar, and I, he's not an especially serious man, and, you know, but our kids like the programs, the music's great, and it's messy leaving churches. I can just listen to Alistair Begg anyway. Uh, yeah. That's where I'll get my preaching. Thank God for Alistair Begg and the unprecedented access we have to faithful preaching online. I just would encourage that, brother or sister, it's no substitute for incarnational preaching from a a, 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 a pastor, shepherd, who is responsible for your care and well-being. And don't, don't allow, I mean, make use of Sinclair Ferguson and Piper and whoever, but don't allow that to become any sort of substitute. And those men, if they're good men, would be the first to tell you. Sure. Um, you know, make the most of the pastoral preaching ministry in your own local church. Yeah. And don't bother podcasting me, you know. I'm, I'm supplemental, I think they would say. Right, yeah. absolutely. If preaching happens in a forest and no one's around to hear it, has preaching happened? Right? In one sense, preaching has in mind, there's an audience there that we have in ah, our yes. hearts and oh, our minds yeah. that we're preaching to. Mm-hmm. Um, this is great. Br- brother, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Any other um, things you'd like to encourage us with on this topic? I don't think so. I think I would, you know, if, uh, I'll speak personally. What has helped me as a Christian? I think really as much as anything, yeah, I think as much as anything, is to put myself under a faithful preacher. And I, I've I've endeavored, when I was single and I'm married, to find a faithful preaching ministry. I'm not talking about a super dynamic, you know, guy who's going to attract thousands. If that's your guy, great. But find a faithful man of God who really is engaged in biblical preaching and then come to expect more out of preaching. Hmm. You yeah. know, I, I don't mean more out of that guy. I'm just saying more out of preaching itself, that this has a function in my life unlike anything else. It's, I'm not saying it's superior or whatever, but it's different from my own private reading. It's different than podcasting a sermon while on a run. It's different than having spiritual conversation with a trusted friend. This is something utterly unique in my life that the Bible says I need, that God has put into my life to, as part of a well-balanced spiritual diet, this is to build me up in the faith and equip me for ministry and for life and for godliness. Expect that from preaching and then go find it in a healthy church and don't settle for less and then give yourself to it. Pray for your preacher, come with expectation and, 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 and open your heart to, to the Word of God rightly preached. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate your time. Brother, it's a privilege to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the King Street Podcast. If you enjoyed it, let us know. Uh, feel free to send us an email at info at kingstreetchurch.com or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at King Street Church. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned over the next few weeks as we continue to talk about the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. Until next time.